Uncover from CBC Podcasts is your source for exceptional storytelling and groundbreaking journalism. Unveil the shocking secrets of one of Canada's most prolific fashion moguls. He far exceeds Jeffrey Epstein. He far exceeds Bill Cosby. And dive into the unsolved murders of two Canadian billionaires. This is a perfect storm of conspiracy theory. It's got all the ingredients, none of the answers. With new episodes released weekly, you'll hear the very best in award-winning true crime. Listen to Uncover wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Phelan Johnson, co-host of The Secret Life of Canada and the CBC Podcast Buffy. On Thursday, May 4th, CBC Podcasts hosted a night of storytelling at the 2023 Hot Docs Festival. Hosts from some of CBC Podcasts' most acclaimed series took to the stage, turned the mic on themselves to share the stories they've spent years figuring out how to tell. Anna Marie Tremonti knows what it's like to spend years holding on to a secret. In her podcast, Welcome to Paradise, she opens up about being abused by a former partner. On stage at the Hot Dogs Festival, Anna Maria unpacks the decision that went into telling this story and about reconnecting with a neighbor from her past. Have a listen. Hi, everybody. (sighs) Okay, the story I never thought I'd tell. I actually really wanted to tell it, and I didn't know how to tell it. And I waited a really long time before I figured it out. I waited 40 years. A lot of people have stories they want to tell a lot sooner, and that's good. Like, you just have to do it in your own time. And that would be the one thing I would tell anybody if they wanted to work on a memoir podcast. You know, you have to be ready to really want to do that. Um, And then, you know, when you are ready, you can tell it, I guess. In my case, it wasn't just telling my personal story and going public about experiencing intimate partner violence. I wanted to be somewhat public about the person I had been married to who had abused me, and I really actually wanted to get him on tape. I wanted to sit down with him, have an interview, like a conversation, not a gotcha interview, but really just to find out how he saw what had happened all those years, what he thought about what he had done to me all those years ago. So not really a confrontation at all. And I didn't quite know how I would do that because how do you accuse a man of very specific instances of intimate violence? I was never going to use more than his first name, but I was aware that I'd be talking about issues that he might dispute. You know, he might tell me that I was making it up. And I made sure, I even made sure that I had all my divorce documents from the time because Back in the day, you actually had to spell it all out in the divorce papers. And so I had them there in case he would dispute it. Um, But I thought he'd play ball. Then he'd agree to be taped. And, you know, later, after the podcast came out, the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing happened. And I thought, you know, he might have been emboldened by that and gone after me after the fact, too, because we saw that kind of people taking sides and worried about all of that, and I wondered if he would have just doubled down. I just didn't know. But of course, all that issue fell away because on the morning that I actually went to send the email to try to arrange some kind of a meeting with him, and I wasn't even going to tell him right away in the email why I wanted to kind of meet up with him, I found out from his sister who wrote to me out of the blue that he'd been, he died two days earlier. He dropped out of a heart attack. 
That's the spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so now I didn't have a legal dilemma, but I had an ethical dilemma. Here I am working on this podcast, and he's not going to have a chance to say anything. He didn't know I was working on it. His family doesn't know I'm working on it. I really made sure that nobody who might have any connection to him would not know what I was working on. And his sister, who I hadn't contacted, been in contact with for decades, is now writing to me. And I write back, and you know, I mean, it's, it's not her problem. So of course, she's grieving her brother, and I write a nice note about, I'm sorry this happened to you. And, but I'm asking her about a memorial because I'm curious, and I don't know what to do, and I want to be polite. And so she starts sending me information. She sends me the obit before it goes into the newspaper. And so then I go, well, you know, would you mind if I attend the memorial? And um, she makes it really clear that I'd be welcome. And now I'm not sure I want to go. Do I go? Like, they don't know what I'm doing. They, do I record? No, I, I can't show up with a tape recorder. But, you know, I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what if somebody says, what's she doing here? Get the hell out of here. You know, I, I don't know. And it's in Nova Scotia. I'm in Toronto. I've got to make a trip to go. And, but my journalistic instincts kick in because now I have an opportunity to maybe learn a bit about him in the time since I hadn't seen him, which is decades. And I mean, journalistically, if you have a chance to learn something, how do you not go? So I go. But the ethics of walking in there follow me right into the funeral home. And got a clip. This is me with my friend Sue, who knew him back in the day. And she's sitting with me in the car outside the funeral home. I'm feeling very, un like I'm feeling physically unsettled. Like I'm feeling like butterflies or something, and I'm... Is it nervousness? Yes. Okay, so let's talk this down. Nobody's going to be confrontational in this setting, and nobody's going to be confrontational after 40 years. So there's no firing squad here. Okay, so why do I need to go in at all? You do. I truly believe if you didn't do this after... So many times saying that you wanted to have some sort of closure with a conversation that you, you would kick your ass. Are you thinking you've misjudged yourself? No, I think that's true. I think that unless I venture in, I don't know. And if it's not a good idea, I can leave. Do you want to go in? Yeah, I guess. I'm going to turn this off now. So we go inside, and they're all really welcoming. They don't recognize me right away, but then we start talking, and, and I start hearing stories about him, how he would listen to me every day on The Current, and he was proud of me. He would go into work and talk about it, and I, I didn't know how to process that. But I did gain real insights into elements of his life after we went our separate ways, so I leave, you know, I kind of sit with Sue that night and we have a glass of wine and talk about it all. But, you know, I still hadn't told his family that I'm making a podcast. I left and they wanted to be in touch with me later and they said, oh, you know, please come to our home sometime and we can talk more about him. But again, there's this thing hanging over. So I wait about a week and a half, two weeks, and I, I write to his sister. And I don't hear from her for a couple of weeks, and I write to someone else who obviously tells her that I write, and then she writes to me right away. And she makes it really clear that she felt sideswiped. 
And frankly, you know, I understood that. I thought that reaction was very fair. One of his cons her concerns was that I was going to use his first name, his real name, and that everyone, in her view, knew we'd been married, so even his first name would be enough to identify him. And now they would know, people who knew him would know something bad about him. And I didn't think he was identifiable. You know, it was 40 years later. No one in my circle actually could tell you his name, his first name or his last name. And the only reason people in his circle would know is because he kept talking about me. And so I felt that I still had the right to use that name. But we exchanged a few emails and I explained some more and she actually told me that she didn't realize it had been as bad as I described, that she didn't know what had gone on, but she did not want to talk more about him and she did not want to take part in the project at all. She wouldn't talk to me off, you know, even with background information. And again, I think that's fair. I made my effort to try to talk to her, and then I backed off. But should I have gone to the memorial or the wake without spelling out what I was doing there? I don't know. I, I kept turning it over in my head because if I was doing that as a, a journalist covering some kind of a news story, I would have told the people who I was going, you know, who who were the relatives of the person. I would have told them what I was there to do. But this was a story about me. And so I felt that after a lot of consideration and a lot of trepidation, and you heard that there, that I didn't feel I was wrong to go into, in there. And I later got a note from a very close relative of his who listened to the podcast who told me that they thought it was fair, how I um, characterized everything. And in the end, I am comfortable with the fact that I went. I think that it did give me insights and it made me understand things about him maybe a little better after the fact. Hi, I'm Lou, the host of Love Me, a CBC original podcast about the messiness of human connection. The show features deeply personal stories, like a mother forced to press charges against her own son, a couple that falls in love through Google Translate, and a man whose father-in-law asks him to build his coffin. Subscribe to Love Me at cbc.ca slash loveme or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, there's somebody else on the periphery who I also ended up in contact with for this podcast, and it was a woman whose name I never actually knew, and she surprised me after the podcast dropped, and, well, because she heard this. This is me with my therapist, Farzana Doctor. And what about the bitch downstairs? I know. Do you want to talk about her a little bit? I was angry with her for doing a good thing, because... It's a cold winter day, a Sunday. I don't remember how it starts. Pat attacks me on and off all afternoon. It's noisy, all the punching and yelling. This is the one time I fight back. Late in the day, I swipe at him as he lunges at me, and he accuses me of hurting him. He retreats up the stairs. It doesn't occur to me that anyone can hear us, but there's a knock on the door. And when I open it, distracted, two men are standing there, police officers. They want to know if I'm okay. Yes, I tell them, through a crack in the door. They ask if they can come in. I tell them no. 
They ask to speak to my husband. He's asleep, I say. I want to close the door. It's barely a jar as it is. I'm afraid their prying is just going to make things worse. How did they know, I'm thinking? Your downstairs neighbor called us, one of them tells me, like he's reading my mind. And all I can think of is someone knows. Someone knows. And now I'm not just scared. I'm pissed off. I think to myself, that bitch, that bitch downstairs. So I go on in that discussion with Farzana because that's what I thought of my neighbor. I was so angry because I actually did think nobody knew. And suddenly I understood that, of course, she knew. And it didn't take long after that to understand that there was no reason for me to be angry with her, that she was trying to do something that she thought would be helpful. But I felt really powerless, and I felt the only control I had at the time was my secret. And I acknowledged in my conversation with my therapist, Farzana, that, of course, the neighbor's not the problem, that she's trying to help. And so after that episode comes out, someone leaves a message on someone's voicemail at CBC Halifax, very circuitous, and I get a message, please call this name, and I don't recognize it. And, um, you know, people have left me messages like that, and they never actually find their way forward. But I got this one and I called her and she picked up the phone and I said, it's Anna Maria Tremonti calling. And she went, oh, I'm the bitch downstairs. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, we had the best conversation. She's about five years older than me. I knew she was a teacher and um, she knew who I was because I was on the air in Halifax and so was my then husband. And she was just so worried about me. And she told me that she remembered the day we moved away and she watched me putting things in the trunk of the car and she was thinking, what is going to happen to her? Like she had tried to help, it didn't work. And um, I was so moved. We had the best conversation and I was really moved by what she did and the fact that she reached out again because, you know, in a moment of trauma, in a moment when you're going through something like this and any parallel like this, you think you're alone in the world. And here was a woman living in the apartment below me who cared about me. And she cared about how things were going for me, but she couldn't tell me. And she never forgot about that. And you know, I think that's why there's so much power in telling our stories and in telling them through podcasts. Because you know, on the surface, we're all so different. And yet, what we experience when we start to talk about it can resonate with other people and it can give them something. And I continue to hear from people who listen telling me that I've helped them understand that they don't deserve the pain and the shame that they have felt for what they are going through. You know, sometimes that helps them turn a corner. Maybe it allows them to help someone else. And you know, as a journalist who's been so vested in making sure other people told their stories through my work, I was really nervous about talking about myself at all through this. And of course, in this podcast, that's all I do is talk about myself. But what I've learned and what I've had reinforced in, in all of the emails that I've had back is that as people listen to me, they were actually hearing something about themselves, about their own lives. And then they could use that to help themselves move forward. And that's the connection 
And that's the impact that I think is so valuable in the telling of our stories and in finding the honesty to talk about your own life. So it was a big lesson for me. And I didn't want to tell my story for a long time because I didn't want to be defined by that story. I didn't want that story to override all the work I'd done journalistically in other areas. And I was afraid that that would happen. And after I told this story, I realized, if you don't know anything else about me, I'm good with that. I needed to tell it, and I did. And I hope it helped. Thanks. Anna Maria Tremonti speaking in front of a live audience at the 2023 Hot Dogs Festival. All six episodes of Welcome to Paradise are available right now. Find them on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.